Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. This is also a special episode, Uncensored, Our Opinions. Uh, today I invited Wenda Alicock, who is my paralegal that I use personally, not necessarily only when I need something and it's urgent, but just as things happen to see and, uh, and make sure that I'm always on the right track and, uh, and doing the right thing. So Wenda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. So there's so much going on, obviously, in Ontario. We're going to talk about Ontario with the whole landlord and tenant battle, I guess. Like there's going to be good tenants and, and there's a lot of concern, I think, with every single month that, you know, keeps approaching as we are still in COVID and isolation right now. A lot of people has, have lost their jobs. But I will say, look, there's going to be a conversation that we're going to have. These are our opinions. Wenda is not giving you legal advice. You have to call her separately and reach out to her separately. But I, I did want to share a few things with you because there are things that we can do in this time to help us, you know, whether it's, it's to, you know, get ourselves out of these situations, these sticky situations now or, uh, or in the future. So Wenda, how are you doing, by the way, in all of this chaos? Now you've got tenants yourself, but you know, are, you got, are you busy currently? Well, right now I'm not busy, which is very strange, but I'm anticipating that come May, when everybody's kind of decided that April's come and gone and we're not getting anywhere, um, that it's perhaps time to, uh, to really start moving. I just wanted to reiterate what you said about I'm not giving legal advice, only because also too is everybody's different, every situation is different and unique, and processes that are going on at the landlord and tenant board are ever-changing. So we're all kind of sitting in a bit of a maze wondering what will happen, what will not happen. So the things are, is we're still filing, but what happens with that file is the unknown. So that's kind of where we are as far as the landlord and tenant board is concerned, because we can still give a tenant an eviction notice. We can still file with the landlord and tenant board, but what's happening is we're not getting a date and we're not getting an order number, but it's still the process. And that's kind of where we stand. And it just kind of goes into la-la land. And we don't know what will happen, but at least we have some confirmation that we've done what we need to do. Yeah, and I know we were talking, you know, one of the things that I was asking you is if you've got a tenant, and there's two categories in my opinion, there's tenants that want to pay, but they can't because they've lost their job and they truly can't and they're willing to work with you. And then there's another set of tenants that are like, you know what, Ford seemed to say that no one is getting evicted and I don't need to worry about rent and stress out as long as I have food on the table. And I'm gonna just take advantage of the situation because I can't. So I wanna like say that there's two sets of tenants, ones I gladly work with, and ones I kind of get enraged a little bit to even hear some of these stories. So what are some things that we should be doing right now as landlords approaching May 1st? Okay, the one thing too that we all need to remember that we're not alone. You know, there's 
thousands of people that are in the same position, both landlords and tenants. And when Mr. Ford announced that tenants won't be evicted, of course, we all just went crazy. And it's it was natural because that was the information that was coming out. So I just want to make sure that people understand that what they think they heard is what they heard. What Mr. Ford, in my opinion, forgot to say was that the tenants won't be evicted because the landlord and tenant board is closed and the sheriff is not working. So, and I think that all of the landlords that panicked, um, I panicked to rental properties and I was just furious to think that my tenants weren't gonna pay. I didn't bother calling them. I'm just in shock and didn't know what was happening. So I want everyone to know that this is real and I have felt it all, I've lived it and breathed it. And so I understand exactly where they're feeling. So I think the important part is that by now we're April the 14th and we know who's paying and who's not. So the best thing to do is to talk to your tenants, is try and contact the tenant and maybe ask them sort of the good questions. Good questions are, you know, how have you been impacted financially? So rather than just kind of jumping on them and saying, why haven't you paid? Sort of sit back a bit and have a casual conversation. And the important thing is, if anybody knows me, at least my my own landlords that I look after, everything is date and time. Document everything. And people often say, well, I tried to call and he didn't answer. He didn't answer. Okay, write that down that you called at this time and this date and what happened. Because I can foresee, and my guess is that when all of this gets to the landlord and tenant board, because it will, it will eventually get there if you've done all your paperwork, is the adjudicator is going to ask. So what have you done to help your tenants? And if you say, well, I've done nothing because he didn't pay me, you kind of leaving the adjudicator thinking, well, that probably wasn't the best thing because we're in a, a pandemic. So my suggestion is, and what I would have done with my tenants, luckily they paid me, so they were lucky I didn't have to. But <laughs> dates and times, you know, and, and have an open conversation. And if you say, well, I called them and they didn't answer, and then, you know, they called and hung up on me, document it. Because when you get in front of the adjudicator or you have a paralegal that's going to do that for you, is they want to be armed to be able to say, Mr. and Miss Adjudicator, what we did is we called the tenant. They refused to talk to us. They left us no choice. And that makes it easy for the adjudicator and easy for you or the paralegal to be able to substantiate why you gave them a notice. So I think that's the most important part for sure. Sarah, do you want me to go through a couple of questions that I might address to the landlords would ask their tenants? Sure, absolutely. So I think one of the, the important things is to just document and document and document. I mean, you live in the courtroom, fortunately or unfortunately, but fortunately for me, you live in the courtroom. So you, you know the adjudicators in your area really well and what they look for. And I think sometimes we forget, you know, even if you called and you didn't leave a voicemail because there's no voicemail messages or you left a voice, like every single time that you do something to document because in a year from now, you're not going to remember on which day you called and how many times you ended up having to call and how many voicemail me messages you called. And so I think that organization piece is extremely important. Now, one of the things I do want to add in there is yesterday we had a conversation and I'm like, 
what if the tenants don't even want to have that conversation with you as a landlord, maybe because they think they can walk all over you. And one of the things that, you know, I like as an option is, and you will do it, I think, for the the areas that you cover, but maybe having you as the paralegal call them and try to work out that plan, sometimes having legal representation scares them a little bit to cooperate a little bit more. So I would gladly hire you and I do on retainer to call if I had to. So far, you know, my tenants are great and, and uh, I haven't needed you to, to do any of those things for me. But just knowing that you can call them and say, like, I'm representing the landlord and we need to work out something because here's what's going to happen if you do not cooperate and here's actually what's going to happen. You do have to pay rents. It is not what Ford said. And I think sometimes having that representation is, is really critical. So I don't know if you want to add anything on that. And then if you want to go into your questions. Okay, no, I think that's a great idea only for twofold. I mean, if sometimes the landlords are uncomfortable talking to the tenants and you have to remember that at least for myself, as a paralegal, I'm not emotionally attached to your tenants. I'm totally attached to mine. So it would almost be a good idea if I gave my tenants to someone else, but they're just fine. You know, I know them personally. I know all their personal stuff. I've been in their house. I've sat there and I've waited for the repairman to come because they're out to work. So I know my tenants, but I have a lot of landlords and they're calling and they're just furious. So if you're not able to do that, you know, have a paralegal is they're more, well, myself, I would be more than willing to call the tenant and open up a conversation because remember, I am not invested. I'm invested to work on behalf of the client and the landlord, but I'm not personally invested. I do go to sleep at night worrying about things that are going to happen. So I can't seem to get away from that. But if they yell and scream at me, I don't care. You know, it doesn't matter to me. We'll just got a mission and we'll get through it. So um, again, the important question, as I mentioned before, was how has this impacted you? So everybody's going to be impacted differently. Some have got family that can't help or some things happen to their job. So if they're not working, then you want to say, okay, so have you applied for any benefits? What have you applied for? And if they start saying, well, I can't be bothered. Well, then you know it's going to be a down downward run because what's happened is we know like last week there were like a million people that had applied for EI you know and it had just barely got out of the gate and then with the other new Canadian emergency there's another whole group of people so if someone hasn't applied it's because they haven't tried because there's so much advertising and as I say it takes two seconds to apply for some of these um The other thing is, when do you anticipate that you'll get paid? You know, so if they say, well, you know, I applied three weeks ago. Well, if you applied three weeks ago, you should have your money by now, because I know people that have already received benefits. Um, Were you going to return to work? How long are your benefits going to be for? You know, sort of what's been going on and just try to get if they're going to talk. As they say, this is this is what you want is you want to open up a casual conversation. So I think because. I'm not involved. I've got all the time in the world at this point to find out what's going on and then ask if maybe they want to make a payment plan because it's good to say and to get them started thinking that the rent is due. There's no question. You're going to have to pay the rent. There's no rent benefit coming unless the government decides that they're going to give the landlords free rent. So I don't think that's going to happen. 
So get the conversation going and then they might say, well, I'll call you back. Okay, that's great. You know, when would you like to call back? I'll be happy to call you. So I think it's a great idea. If you, you know, if you want to pay for the paralegal's time to do that, I, I think it's well worth it. Again, to see where it goes, it's a start. And if you don't start, you'll never get anywhere. Yeah, the other thing I actually like is the fact that if you have to go to court, you've started it. So you have the documentation, you had the initial communication with them and you're carrying it through. So I think that that also speaks volume. Now, let's just say they're like, okay, I really do want to put a plan together. Like, what does that even look like? Do you have to get them to sign stuff? Like walk us through that maybe. Well, I think what's interesting at this point is I think it's just to get the dialogue going, you know, to have them sign something. I think in these times, I've, I've never done one. Okay. Even when times were good, we always made sure the tenant came to the hearing. We could make up the payment plan is there. We could give it to the adjudicator, talk to the mediator. They'd put their stamp on it. We'd be out of there. So I've never done one before. And I haven't really seen a lot that are signed ahead of time. But again, that's just in my practice. And, you know, I'm, I'm at the board a lot. So I haven't seen a lot of that. But at least to get them to commit to something. And what you're trying to do is to get the conversation started. Well, you know, I got, I got my $2,000, which is the CERB. Okay, so you're going to get that this week. You've probably got it. So how much can you give towards April's rent? So you want to get that started. So they say, okay, I can give you 500. Sounds great. When can I expect the 500? So the idea is to get something and get them to commit to something. Then if they don't commit, and they, they don't and they fall back on the payment plan, then you're going to get to the point where, okay, if, if the payments aren't made, then I'm going to need to give you an eviction order. But again, you and I both know that we're not going to get to court yet. So why don't we continue this conversation? You continue to make payments and we'll see how it goes. Because by the time we get to court, if they've paid up in full, then you're, we're not going to court. So it's not like I'm going to give you a notice and that's it. I don't want to talk to you again. Don't talk to me. We're done. I'll see you in court. That serves nobody any purpose because the adjudicator is going to say, what have you done? Well, made a payment plan and well, I didn't bother calling him back. And no. so there's no communication. I know that the adjudicators are going to be looking for the paralegal or the landlord and someone and the tenant to have a conversation that doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if you haven't tried, I think you're going to find yourself in an uncomfortable situation when you finally do get to the board. Yeah, I think for me, I would rather have something in writing, even if it's an email, like, thank you so much for like, you know, talking to me on the phone. Here's what we've decided. Here's the email. Sure. So you can have a, a written trail. Oh, for sure. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, see, there, there is a form on the board website that you can use. So I apologize. I was referring to the official form. Okay. On June, you know, on May 2nd, you'll give me this May 5th, May 9th. It can go on a fancy form. As long as it goes in an email, it goes in something just, it's also good for the tenant. And I think, you know, we always need to think about there's two sides. So there's got to be something in it for the tenant to make the payments. So again, if, if they've sent the email, then they are committed to a point. But again, nothing is, is guaranteed. Okay. We're all flying, hoping to see what will work, what won't work. And I think after, you know, if we go through this and you people call the tenants and find out what we're feeling, because at least in Brantford, a lot of the tenants know each other because I've run into the same tenants many times at court. And I, 
had mentioned once that I had gone to court and I was evicting Bill and I see Susan and I go up to Susan. I said, Susan, um, am I evicting you today? <laughs> she says, no, I'm just here with Bill. And I'm going, okay, so I already evicted Susan and now I'm evicting Bill. So in a small town, you'll find that the tenants know each other. So if if somebody starts and they decide in a payment plan, maybe they'll tell some friends to say, you know what, what we heard isn't right. We're not getting a free ride. So who knows what will help. And the big city in Toronto may not help, but I run into the same tenants all the time at the board. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts, financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're going to have different plans, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you? Should you not? Why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. That's why you want a local paralegal. Okay. So, so I want to go back and say, okay, you came up with this payment plan. You sent it to them in email. They confirm, hey, it's good. You know, like this works. Thank you. You've got that. Okay, you can file that. Now, if they miss the payment plan, at what point do you issue an, an N4? Like, do you do that with the payment plan and say, I just have to get the paperwork started regardless. Once your payment plan is done, you've paid in full, you know, this will go away. Do you wait until they default on the payment plan? Like, what would you do? Well, I would make a short payment plan. Let's not call it a plan as much as it's a payment idea, okay? Because if you go too far 
with the plan, you may be looking for a disaster. So I find too, when I'm in court, people say, oh, I'll give you 500 every two weeks. And I say, 500 realistic. Like, there's no point in you making a plan you can't keep. Nobody wins. So they, you know, so what can you give me now? I can give you 500 by Friday. Okay, great. So I would wait till Friday. If I don't get the money, then I would, in my opinion, I would, I would again go to somebody that knows how to issue an N4. So for those of you who may not know what it is, it's the first notice that a tenant is given. And then you would call the tenant after, you know, give it to them and then call them and say, okay, I didn't get your payment. You know that I dropped off. Um, an eviction notice, um, you know, where are we going from here? And then you'll have an idea. So again, talk to them, issue it, and then wait and see how they react. Because maybe they need the form to react. I've had people say, you know, that they, they need the N4 so they can go to their worker. They can maybe go to their parents. They can go to the bank. They can go somewhere to say, I have an eviction order in front of me. So I need help. And that has worked also. So, you know, it may be a benefit to the tenant. Like I can't do anything without the eviction order that nobody will believe me. So you really have to think about it. But I say, give them a couple of days to come up with something. And then you sort of have to feel it. And again, you know, I've dealt with hundreds and hundreds of cases. So you, I hope to think, and the other, other paralegals, is we get it, we can get a feeling of whether they're, what, where this is going to go. So I think that would be a, a fair way to proceed. Okay. Now that's the ones that want to work with you. And hopefully they were all like that. That'd be great. But that's not the case, right? So I, I was talking to somebody recently and he has about 50 units and he only received 20% April 1st because people are just trying to strike. And he's not going to be, you know, able to likely collect May because they don't want to talk to him. They're ignoring him. So like, what would somebody like that do in a situation where the tenants are just ignoring the calls? They're ignoring, you know, any ability to come up with, with options. Um, and some of them clearly can pay, but choose not to. So what do you, what would you do? And, and what do you recommend that investors do in, in situations like this? Okay. If no, but if, if they're not going to talk, I would actually mail them a letter. You know, there's, there's some letters on the internet. There's some people that have prepared letters. You know, if you need help with a letter, you know, you can go to your paralegal, you know, I can help you. Someone else can help you is, is to prepare a letter and mail it, you know? So again, at least you've got something to the board to say, okay, I called on this day. I called on this day. I tried texting and I sent a letter outlining what's going to happen. And that way you've got some sort of proof that you've done something. You know, you can't force these people to pay. You know, you can't be knocking on the door. You can't be bothering them because these tenants are going to turn around and charge the landlord with harassment. And of course, at the landlord and tenant board, there's a form for everything. So there's a harassment form. So it's not worth it. So I think if they're not talking to you, mail them a letter. If there's enough room under the door to slip it under door, don't post anything on their door. I think that's in bad taste. So just mail them a letter. You probably have a superintendent. Again, if there's some way of doing it rather than spending, you know, a dollar for every letter. But I would make sure that each one gets a letter outlining. Unfortunately, we've not been able to get in touch with you. I'm sorry that you may be going through troubled times in this, you know, terrible pandemic. You know, I'm reaching out to you to find out exactly what your plans are going forward as far as the rent is concerned. Just kind of a nice friendly and see what happens. And then if you're not getting any response, again, 
the N4 is the, is the, in my opinion, the route to go. I would suggest to people that they don't fill out their own forms. By law, you're not a, a landlord's allowed to fill out his, but by law, you're not allowed to have a property manager, but you know, there's, there's rules and everything around that. But I have a, I have a landlord that sent me everything he wanted me to go to court for him, you know, so sometimes that happens too. I just go to court and I looked at his N4 and I said, your N4 is wrong. <laughs> so had the dates wrong. So then I'm still, again, I've got, we didn't get to court anyways, but then he sent me some more documents today and his N4 is wrong again. Like he didn't count the right number of days. So, you know, he's two for two. So I would highly recommend that you don't do your own forms, that you contact a paralegal and let the paralegal look after it for you. Because, you know, if a client calls me, my theory is you call me once, I know what you need to do. You don't have to worry about it. Let me worry about it. I mean, they can call me anytime they want to, but a lot of landlords don't. They just tell me to call them when it's over. So I can worry about it. You don't have to. You have other things to worry about. You don't want to be worrying about all those little things because a lot of landlords have full-time jobs and they have homes and they have their family and they have aging parents. And there's so much going on that this is what we do. This is what we do for a living. So you know, it's not, it's not a shock to have five or 10 files or 20 go on the go at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy how easy it is to mess up forms, like even N11s, like yeah, for the, for the amount that it costs. I mean, you do, you even have done my N11s for me and I'd rather have you go because they know that I have a paralegal. If they don't leave, it's a little bit scarier to deal with a paralegal than your landlord. So I, you know, I don't know how much are, you, are your forms nowadays? Well, everybody has different rates, so I don't really want to say okay. my rates. Okay, cool. If you call me, I'll tell you. I, I will say they're very affordable. Okay, so like, let's just say, so that here's, my, here's my dilemma, because as a landlord and as an investor, you know, so some people may be able to say, the tenant is going to screw me over. I'm really angry. They're not paying. They're not communicating. I've sent an N4. You know, we filed the L1, and now I have to wait. And it might be months and months and months, but they may or may not be able to carry that property. So then, so then what do they do? Just wait? Well, you know, there's the, the one thing that we didn't learn in paralegal school was cash for keys, you know, and that's, again, this is an opinion. This is, this is, I've done it. I'm doing one on Saturday. The tenants are moving out. Awesome. Great. Here's your money. Thanks for coming. Don't worry about your utility bill. Don't worry about your back rent. Just give me the property back. But again, you're saying it with finesse and thank you very much. And how much do you need for expenses to with the moving truck that, you know, they're not getting, but a friend's getting it. So it's unfortunately, and I've done it where we paid thousands. I mean, I've, even when times were good, we paid a tenant $10,000 to get out of a lease. And in Toronto, it's probably even more. 20. This is Brantford. 10,000 is a, is a lot of money. You know, I mean, when you've got people, I know you've got some people on that are listening that are in Toronto, but I've got people paying seven ninety five for a two bedroom, large unit. So, you know, again, money's relative. It's, it's what you've paid for the property and, and stuff, but definitely cash for keys. And you really need to know what you're doing with that. So again, you know, I wouldn't attempt that again without a paralegal. And I've got a landlord who I just spoke to and, you know, he's nervous, but you know, let's just do it slowly. There's no rush. I even told him I, I do the N11 form so that, 
he doesn't have to worry about it because as paralegals, we care about our clients and how they're feeling. And I want my clients to be so comfortable that when they get off the phone, the tenant is the last thing they have to worry about. Well, that's what I do for a living. That's what I like doing. I like making sure that everybody knows what they're doing. Whether we win or lose, we, can't, we don't know that till we get in front of the adjudicator, but we wanna make sure we've done everything. So when we get there, we're not surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of podcasts with Kayla Andre from Ontario Landlords Watch, and like, it just, I mean, and you're in it, this is your business, but it infuriates me how there right now is so much abuse of the system, you know? And like, most people aren't gonna be able to say, I'm gonna give them an extra $10,000 because they may be on the verge of losing that property. And so, you know, like, it just makes me really angry. Like, is there not, and you're probably going to tell me no, but is there not a way that I can get like a lawyer to draft up a letter, not a paralegal, a lawyer, and you might not know the answer to that person's employer? No. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, it's an, that's, that's an easy no. That's an easy no. Because keep in mind right now, these people aren't working. So first of all, there's no, there's nobody to give the letter to because they're not working because they're not paying. You know, if they are even, working, they're also potentially choosing not to pay, though. You're, they're so. also choosing not to pay, but that's a choice, and they've always chosen not to pay, though. You know, so the thing to the thing to keep in mind too. I mean, we talk about people with physical distancing, and they're not doing this, and they're not considerate of other people. They've never these people that are like that have never been considerate. So for us to assume that they're all of a sudden going to follow the rules when they've never followed rules before. I think that's why there's so much going on about it. If these people don't understand what's going on, you know, they, they haven't rationalized in their head that this is what we're supposed to do. And I think it's the same as the tenants. I think they've been given a lot of bad, bad advertising. They've had a lot of friends talk to other friends and it just multiplies. So I still think that the best thing is you need to talk to the tenant, that the tenant is the one person that you're speaking to at the time, and then go to the next one. Do the best you can with the one that you have, and then make a conscious choice about the best way to proceed. And I think to give the tenant an opportunity to say something, to do something, you have to do the best you can. And you, again, you can't force them. I mean, I'm at the board and I can't force them to give me money. So you can't force people to pay if they don't want to pay. Again, you can you can have a discussion with them that down the road, we can garnish your wages. Down the road, this will go to a collection agency. And I'm not really sure that this is what you had anticipated that this might happen. Because it doesn't, I believe it doesn't cost anything to give it to a collection agency. When they collect, they take their percentage and there's a whole collection act. So there's a lot of things that can be done that paralegal doesn't do because it contravenes the collection act but you know to give it to a collection agency and again i understand i've been told that after 30 goes on their credit bureau so even if they haven't collected anything so there are some down the road things but you have to be careful because you don't want to make i know this is going to be terrible and everybody's going to cringe when i say it but you don't want to make the tenant unhappy you need something for from that tenant and you need your rent. So it's all a little bit about schmoozing and how you can convince the tenant that this is the right way to do it. And if it was me, I mean, I had another tenant years ago that I went Looney Tunes on before I was a paralegal that I wasn't rude to them. I just couldn't believe what they did. Like, again, 
and then I went into the then I went back to school and became a paralegal. But before I did that, I know how crazy of a person I was. So I understand the landlords completely. Yeah, it just it just angers me that we like in a way we as soon as they have the keys, we like lose all our ability to really get anything. And if they want to screw us over, they can. Now that's not to say that there's not you know there's great like there's great tenants just like there's great landlords and there's bad folks. So I'm not saying this is all all tenants, but the ones that know they can get away with the system that keep showing up in court, like your bill and your mayor or whoever you use as yep. there's yep. Be some, some bigger consequences for those people. They should go right to the top of the line and they should be out. The fact that we can't garnish wages like until months later is just absolutely, I mean, it's not, it's not you, but it's like the, the way that the system works is so broken. Like at some point we need to say that enough is enough. We need to lobby. We need to figure something out and we need to work on making changes. And it's a long battle. But here's the thing. The only control we have is on screening tenants. So guys, if you're listening to this, like do, I would rather sometimes just leave, like, especially in times like this, if I don't hundred percent know that, that 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 person has been through my whole screening process can pay. I've seen their, I plug your ears. I've seen their bank statements. I've seen March, April, May of, of this year, I'm going to be asking for that in a year from now, in two years. I want to know how they handle this, and they are not coming into my place if I cannot see that they've paid um, or made some attempt to uh, to come up with a payment plan. Because the only thing we have control over is screening them. So be very, very diligent. And sometimes it's better to just leave your place vacant. Leave it vacant until you figure out what's going on and how long it's going to last, if you can. Because it's better to lose three months of having it vacant than 18 months or whatever that time frame is going to be of having somebody that's going to play the system where you are going to have to then potentially pay them cash for keys, which is even more money and absolutely horrible. Like it's, it's, that's just, it's just crazy. It's very difficult when those words come out of my mouth, but it is a reality and I've, I've lived it and I've seen it happen. And, you know, remember that we're all cringing. We're all doing the same thing you're saying, but we're in it and we're just as mad as you are. And the fact that we can't make any changes and we can't see, I mean, half the time, I don't know from day to day what's, what's, what's next. I don't, they've said that in case there's some applications that are for serious impairment of safety. And so you think, okay, so I have a file where somebody's run through an apartment hallways with a lit firecracker this is going to be for sure or they've set fire in they've set people love to set fires in the hallway right so i i filed the appropriate motion i want this one heard as soon as possible and the landlord and tenant board right back say well it only happened once it only happened once don't you think that it might happen again so again it's moment to moment, day to day, and all we can do is make the best decision based on the information we know today. And to think further down the road is, in my opinion, just a waste of time. So if you've got tenants who aren't paying, give them a call, have a pad and paper, write it down date and time, or give it to a paralegal, and the paralegal may or may not want to make the calls, like different paralegals do business differently. I have no problem talking. So as you can imagine, so I would, you know, I would love to engage in in a conversation. You also need to have the time because you can't make a quick call. It's got to be, it's got to be a decision that I'm going to make the call. And hopefully I'll have 15 or 20 minutes conversation with the tenant because believe it or not, once they start talking, they can't stop either. And I find that at the board, 
you know, I'm sitting down, you know, these tenants have been awful and the landlord hates them and the tenants hate the landlord. It's just a hate, hate situation. And when they come to me, or I'm sure maybe other paralegals, is they just love sitting down and talking to me because they get to tell their story. All I'm listening for are clues that I can use because I'm looking for payment. So that's why, as you said, if you mention to a paralegal and you want it, me in particular or anyone, you can ask them. And I'm sure if they want to do it, they'll say yes. If they don't, they'll say no. But I think it will be a great exercise to see how it happens. And if it can help to resolve and get the process moving, uh, to me, it would be well worth the money, especially when you've got rents out there that are 18, 19, maybe $2,400 a month. It doesn't make any sense just to sit and wait. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is, is frustrating to hear. I, I will say like, I hope you guys are listening and you're taking some good notes of this because I think there's some really good nuggets. And, and if you don't need them today, hopefully you don't need them tomorrow. But it's reality that, that this is something that we're all going to be doing very soon. Now, cash for keys. One more question for you, Wenda. How should somebody do cash for keys to ensure that it's done as best as possible? Well, again, it sort of needs to really be talked about. Okay, it's not a 10 minute thing. Okay, I'll give, I'll give you $5,000. You give me the keys right? So there's, there's a form to fill out because that will help the landlord. Because if the tenant agrees to it and then they back down, then you've got the form to file with the board. So it's a process. It needs to get the conversation started as the one that I'm doing on Saturday. We've been talking for a month to get to this point. So it's important to have the dialogue, to understand, but never, never, never give the, if you're doing, if you're just going to do it quickly or whatnot, never give the tenant the cash before you have the key ever. I mean, there was the, there was, or even don't give your unit to a new tenant unless you have first and last month's rent in your hand. Never, never, never. And always make sure it's cash, not a post-dated check because checks can bounce. I mean, the one thing that happened years ago in Toronto was that well-dressed man that had wanted to rent out an apartment and I believe that he told his landlord that he had some very expensive oil. I remember this story and he he like milks the system over and over and over and our Amazing. system allows this to still happen and they know him and they know how he, my god this is insane it's just yeah. And I've got I've got I mean it was so funny I've got the same tenant where I evicted him from one place he literally moved across the street and then I evicted him from there. And while I was waiting to get to court to evict him, I got a call from another landlord because he had moved already. So, and he wanted to evict him. He gave first and last month's rent cash and never got any more. The landlord says, I'm filthy rich. I'm all good to go. Never took an application, never followed up on anything. He never saw another dime. So never, never, never give cash, never give your unit away until you're absolutely positive that you've done the best you can and you know you need first you need last none of this i'll pay last over the next three months you'll never see it i always take first and last way before um and it has to hit my bank account um e-transfer is usually how i'll do it or, or cash otherwise but probably e-transfer is easier okay one more question because you brought it up so what if you have an n11 this tenant you're not doing cash for keys but you just have an n11 the tenant's moving out in a month and then you've got your new tenants and then all of a sudden move in and move out day comes and then you realize that they haven't even moved. They haven't. Well, yeah. And no, I, I would never do that. Never, never. It's never you. 
your N11, for those of you who are listening who may not know what the form is, it's a form that the landlord and the tenant both sign and it can have any date on it. So tenant is supposed to give you 60 days notice. At this point, there, you'd be happy if he moved tomorrow and you'd give him moving expenses. I know I would be doing that. But an N11 is where you both sign, you've both agreed to a moving out date. Okay. But again, to re-rent that unit before that tenant's out, I just can't imagine. I, I don't have the experience. The new tenant isn't getting in. You'd end up having to give the new tenant their money back. It's a it's a whole process that can that would happen. And it happens. Like I hear a lot of people in this exact situation. And like, here's the thing is I probably would line up another tenant and I have, and it, you know, it hasn't bit me yet, but I, it wasn't in a situation like this, the tenant needed to move for whatever reason. And then I had another tenant lined up, but I don't want to have to wait a whole month or two because the tenants I want are going to give their, their landlord 60 days. I don't want a tenant that's like needs to move right away. That, that's always a red flag. But the ones that, that want to do it, okay, fine. That's great. Like within like a couple days, I usually have another one moving in. Right. I might do like some like painting or some, some small things, but in times like this, this is, this is now I think a little bit scarier because they may decide that they just can't find anything and they're not moving because they don't want to be going out and seeing new units because of this whole social isolation stuff. So like, oh, I think sure. there's a probability that you're going to be stuck with a, a new tenant that's going to have nowhere to go that you probably want. You've got first and last likely already. You're going to have to pay that back. But it puts the other person in a really bad position because all of a sudden you've got a tenant that's not cooperating. Yeah, I would never do that. You know, again, I've never had to because I live in a town where rents right now are 900. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I live in the same town and my rents right now, I'm doing $17.95 for a three bedroom. Okay. And my tenants are paying a really nice 1000 you know, because you're, you're like a really like nice landlord, like clearly with that. Well, really no, because price. <laughs> I got them, I got them in seven years ago. Right. Uh, and I was so happy. I mean, I won't even tell you what I paid 53,000 for the house where the tenants are paying a thousand a month. I thought 1100, I just thought I died and gone to heaven. So, so, but again, the trouble being is that where would my tenants go? They're paying $1,000 for a three-bedroom house. They're not going anywhere. So even if they signed an N11 that they were moving, I would not rent that place out until they were gone. They'll find nothing for 1000 ever. So they're with me till I die. And then, then my children will have them forever. So that becomes very dangerous. And with the COVID-19, you know, they're not going anywhere. It's not safe. It's not a good idea. It's scary. And that is not an avenue I would even think about, my opinion, in these terrible, terrible times that people are having, because people are going to make rash decisions. And then because they still make rash decisions when things were good, they will sign an N11. Yes, I'm going to move. I'm going to find a new place. Well, maybe that new place, maybe those tenants didn't move out. And so things happen all the time. So as they say, in these times, you're just going to have to take it moment to moment. Again call a paralegal, call someone, get, get some advice because they'll have things that happen in their town. So what happens in Brantford, Simcoe is not what's happening in Toronto. It's not what's happening in Hamilton. So, you know, and again, yeah. the rents are different. We have to say we have rents in Brantford at 1700 and we have my lovely tenants that are sitting there for a thousand. So you got to know the city. <laughs> It also comes down to screening because like part of my screening process is I specifically look for tenants that have like 
a two to five year plan of buying their own house or doing their own thing or, you know, and I specifically screen. So if I have like three that I like, I'll go for the one that's going to have the shortest time frame. Exactly for the reason, because I do not want to be left behind with a 2.2% increase or whatever the crazy low amount that we can do. So, you know, again, it goes back, I think it goes back to screening and, and just get yourself a paralegal before you need a paralegal, because I don't know, like you and I spend a lot of time just talking. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, these tenants broke up. He left. Like, remember this conversation? I'm like, should we remove? him from the lease like it could be just something that simple but yes. just having somebody to bounce off the ideas before things become an actual problem is so much better don't just call it paralegal when you're like oh shit now i've got a problem i've got to sort this and untangle this do it prior <laughs> as much as it's good too because then you get to know your clients you know i mean i had a client give me a quick call and he asked me a question i can't remember what it was but i had just answered the same question two minutes earlier for somebody else. Like it was the weirdest thing. I'm going, I'm just doing that right now. This is what you should do. I mean, they're my clients. I can give them legal advice. I've, you know, I've had them for years. So it's very true. It makes it fun for everybody. And this, this is supposed to be fun. I mean, this isn't something you're going to go into and then it's going to be the worst thing you ever did, but you're making money. Well, I can't see that being a benefit. It's, it's supposed to be fun. And you have people, you know, you have your mortgage broker, you have your real estate agent, you have your paralegal. Like it's a, it's a good combination and everybody, you know, you get what information you need. And I know you, I can give a quick answer. We can say goodbye but somebody new, it's like, I don't know, I don't know what, what your thinking is. So that's very true. We want to have fun too. I mean, we don't want to be sad all the time. No, I mean, look, real estate is the best thing that I've ever done in my life. It's why I'm here today in the position that I'm in today. All this chaos will pass. I think I just, at some point, if there's a realization we all need to make is we need to lobby for our rights. As you can see, once they're in, even from this conversation with Wenda, there's not a whole lot you can do other than documents file, wait, wait, wait a heck of a long, lot longer. And then you get to the board. So I can just be very careful, do the process right. Cause you don't want to be there. And then all of a sudden you guys start all the way from the beginning because your paperwork got messed up. So yeah. get what, a paralegal on your team. What about my poor yeah. landlord that did his N4 in November, his hearings March the 25th and it got canceled. Like yeah. that is the saddest story in the whole world. So we were getting lousy, horrible hearing dates four months out. It's, I can't even imagine where it's going to happen. But if you do nothing, nothing will happen. Get in the queue. And at some point you'll be able to garnish. And at some point you can do small claims. And at some point there will be light at the end of the tunnel, but at least get in the queue. Very true. Um, Wenda, where can the listeners reach out if they wanted to talk to you and figure out how you can help them? Okay, so my name of my company is Wenda Alacock Legal Services, and my phone number is 519-751-8624, and I'm usually around all the time up until five. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you, you know, as I say, my clients call me at all hours of the night, but uh, that's okay. So uh, yeah, so you know, eight, eight to four, eight to five, eight to six, whatever. So I love talking, had you maybe not noticed. And um, we can try and sort through this maze because that's what it is. But, you know, as I say, it's what I do. It's what I thoroughly enjoy doing. And, you know, to, to have a happy client, is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. And I will say like the one key nugget I think from here is don't, if your tenants don't want to talk to you, don't try to chase them down over and over. Just hire the paralegal to do it. And it's going to be more intimidating for your tenants that don't want to work with you to say, shit, I probably need to like 
work with them to some extent and you'll get, you might get further ahead and it might be worth it. And I will say one day your, your prices are actually very reasonable. So it's not like you're paying thousands and thousands. Trust me, like it's very reasonable. So if you guys need help, you know, like have a paralegal on your core team, right? Just like your mortgage broker, your, your lawyer, your accounts, you want a paralegal and a local paralegal as well is great. Cause then they can take you through the whole process. I know one day you're in Brantford, you do a little bit in Paris and Woodstock, but you also can refer to other people that you know as yes. well in other areas. Yeah, I have someone in Woodstock I can refer to. I do Simcoe, but I've also got somebody I can do in Simcoe because sometimes the adjudication dates will overlap. They didn't before, but now they're overlapping because I knew Simcoe was one day, Branford was one day. So, but now they're overlapping. So at least in this area, it's always good to have somebody that goes to that tribunal all the time. Good for tenants. Too. Yes, good for to Oh, and then the thing too is just say when you know you may call me and as a Brantford per person and I may have already evicted them once. There's a there's yeah. there's probably a twelve percent chance I might already have have dealt with them. So um, they they do come back to haunt you. You're always part of my my thorough screening measures, Wenda. This person does that ring a bell? We <laughs> 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 in the courtroom, so yeah. I don't want you know. I, it's usually actually one of the first things I do before I even pull their credit because that's instant disqualifier. I don't even need to know what they did. I don't care. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Wanda, on that note, thank you so much. Guys, these were our opinions. Feel free if you want specific advice to, to reach out to Wanda. She'll be more than happy to, uh, to help you give her a call. And Wanda, thanks for being on the podcast. Okay. It was wonderful. Thank you very much. Feel free to call. Thank you. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at Blackjack Contracting Inc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have Blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend Blackjack Contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. 
Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.